Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Friday, July 10th, and this is episode number 59. I'm your host, Rod Bloom, and with me today, returning to the podcast for his second engagement, is Chase Richardson. How are things going, Chase? Excellent, Rod. Uh, stuck in the middle of a pretty intense COVID-19 hotspot here in Orlando, but, you know, we're, we're making do every day. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's getting bad a lot of places. Um, yeah, it's not so good around me either. So, so yeah, it's kind of rough. Um, I appreciate you jumping on with me. We, uh, I had a, a, a guest cancel kind of last minute. So, um, so thanks for thanks for coming on. We've got a few things uh, Browns to talk about. Before we do that, let's talk about what we're drinking. Um, you were sharing with me that you're drinking some interesting stuff tonight so i'm gonna let you lead us off so it's called uh guinness and gun it's uh like the original uh brand for scotch whiskey barrel ale so what they do is they uh they'll have they'll age barrel ale in uh barrels that they use to make scotch whiskey um it gives it a pretty interesting taste uh i like it a lot um you can get it at most liquor stores i would say and usually what i'll do is i'll throw a couple of couple of you know, ounces of uh, honey mead into it too, uh, into a cup. It's something that my grandpa used to drink when I was a kid. It, it's it's a pretty smooth taste. Uh, I enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, it's a it's a good all around drink, especially for a Friday night talking Browns. Yeah. So where do you, where do you get honey mead? Well, <clears throat> this specific brand, uh, funnily and funny enough, is called Vikings Blood, which is kind of an intense name for an alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got it just at like total wine, like just a wine store like that. It, it's about, um, about $18 for a bottle and, and it, it's a pretty, pretty large size bottle. I would say mm-hmm. if you're, if you're into mead or if you've never had it and would like to try it, it it's just wine made of honey for the most part. It, it's pretty smooth. I enjoy it a lot. Um, especially for mixed drinks like this. That sounds very interesting. I've never had mead, so I'm gonna to have to try that. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on my list. <laughs> so for me, you know, I put out a tweet and kind of asked everybody what they were drinking, and somebody came back with the with the sweet baby Jesus and suggested I drink that. So the peanut butter porter was sounding good, and I happen to have some peanut butter busted knuckle from the Quaffon Brewing Company in Nashville, Indiana, in my refrigerator. So I'm drinking one of these. And uh, I don't know, probably a lot of people aren't familiar with that brewery, but um, if if you've been to Nashville, Indiana, you've been, you you probably are. And they brew all, they brew all their own beers. uh, When you go to, um, what, there's three or four restaurants in Nashville that, that, serve this this brewery and serve beers from this brewery and this is my favorite Um, not just because it's peanut butter i think it has the best the best taste of of all their beers but a lot of their beers are are highly carbonated so Mm. uh, they have a good flavor but it's almost a little too much carbonation for me and i don't really feel that this uh that this porter is that way and it has a it's got a great peanut butter flavor. Okay, me, I, mean, I, I love peanut butter, yeah. This is, it's right up there with the Sweet Baby Jesus. Um, I don't know, the flavor, 
I hate to say it, the flavor might be a little bit better. Wow. So um, I highly recommend it if anybody's over in that area or if you see this beer from the Quaffon Brewing Company. I don't even know if they if they sell this outside of the city, but good stuff. So, Chase. Yes. What have, what have you been up to since last time we talked? It's been several months. Yeah, man. I mean, so, I mean, you're familiar with my, my lovely girlfriend, Jamie, obviously. Yeah. Uh, her and I signed a lease for our first apartment together, so we're very excited about that. Great. Great. Um, I start law school in approximately three weeks uh, here at Florida A&M in Orlando. Um, nice. That's kind of been... Uh, a little bit of a mess because of the situation. So right now they're, the current plan is a hybrid format, uh, about half online and half in person. And, you know, keep things as as online as possible to, you know, avoid contact with others. So I think that's definitely going to be a difficult first semester, especially because everyone keeps telling me, you know, your first semester of law school is the hardest, you know, just because of the adjustment period. But, you know, if other people can do it, I feel... You know, as though I can do it, so I'm just trying to keep a positive outlook on it. But other than that, you know, furniture shopping. I know you know you're probably familiar with the joys of furnishing a furnishing a home. Yeah, yeah, yeah somewhat. You know, just, uh, <laughs> just you know, <laughs> you like this, and she doesn't, and you know, she really likes this, but maybe it's not exactly to your taste. But you know, I, I usually, I usually just. Uh, leave it to her you know is to not uh rouse any unnecessary arguments well chase my wife and i are at the point where you know we're on our, our second marriage and we we bought a house big enough to put all of our crap in and <laughs> um you know our, our youngest is going to be a senior in high school next year so we're planning to downsize in a year or so that's the plan right now we're planning on getting rid of a lot of the furniture we have because we've either had it or people gave it to us. Right. And we're actually going to buy some of our own furniture that we're going to pick out because <laughs> oh, a lot yeah. of it's either just been around for a long time or it was never ours to start with. So, so we're going to be doing that, but it's it's a little ways down the road yet. That uh that first IKEA trip is a it's a it's a heck of an experience. I'll tell you your first IKEA trip with your significant other. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. IKEA is a cool place, but yeah, um, yeah. You need to you need to have some endurance. Built up. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> well, I was I was kind of wondering the uh, um, you you were probably you were already accepted into law school and everything before COVID, before all this hit, right? Yeah, yeah, I was. So how does how does the law school how does law school work? Did you um, did you graduate? Um, did did you have to apply before you graduated? So it your- works. It works pretty much like any other like graduate school experience, like or even uh, your undergraduate degree. Like when I applied first for college, like it was early on in my first semester of my senior year of high school. So when they're looking at your applications, they'll look at it based on that and then they'll conditionally accept you, you know, pending your final transcripts and everything. So I was accepted and they said, you know, obviously you're accepted with this amount of scholarship money pending, you know, you don't fail out of your final uh, semester or whatever. So yeah, they'll, they'll do it like that. And then from here full time, it'll be 
uh, three years of graduate level study, and then I will be a JD, and then I'll have to sit for the bar exam. And is there a test you take? After there is. College? There is. Um, it's called the LSAT. I took it um, my junior year of college. I took it um, three times over the course of a year. Um, okay. And it's you can think of it just like the ACT or the SAT, um, except it is a little bit more like riddles and critical thinking. They're really trying to ascertain your level of problem solving, I would say, you know, and your, your reading level. It's a lot of it, it was honestly when you come in, you may be expected to be like, oh, like legal questions. No, it was really a lot of riddles, <laughs> funnily enough. Interesting. Yeah, my. Yeah. Um, one of my sons is between is between his uh, junior and senior year, and he's um, he's pre med, so he is he was he just got his score for his MCAT. Yep. And yep. so he's getting ready to apply to to uh, to med schools now, and he's got his whole senior year in front of him, and the uh, all this COVID stuff's kind of made it kind of a mess because he had to wait an extra what two two months i think to take his mcat yeah he was I, ready to take it and yeah. then they, they they pushed it out so so he had been studying studying and then he had to find new stuff to study and he had to keep studying and then they changed the format they changed it from an eight-hour test i think to a five-hour test um it, it ended up working out for him, but um, it, it was, you know, not not a lot of fun. I so. had been really grateful to have gotten it done before all this happened um, because they did change the formats and there were one or two tests that got canceled and a lot of law schools have had to kind of adjust and, you know, move their acceptance periods back or change to a rolling admission basis because not everyone had their scores And colleges in general, I I read, have been having to do a lot of that just because people just aren't enrolling in college right now. Because either A, parents are scared to send their kids away, or people just don't have the the financial means right now to send their kids to college. That's true. I mean, honestly, I hadn't even thought about that factor. I mean, because, you know, our our son's you know if he's going into his fourth year you're not going to stop there and, you know, right. and, the young, and the youngest has a year you know until he goes to school so i mean i couldn't imagine right now having to you know approach my mom or my grandparents and ask them to help me afford the first year of college just because it's just been so crazy with you know everyone's financials and my mom has yeah. had my mom works at a hospital but even she has had to have her hours reduced hospitals are uh suffering pretty greatly right now because a lot of their income depends on, you know, ER visits and people visiting the hospital. But I think people are much less inclined to visit hospitals right now because they don't want to come into contact with it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty. For sure. And, and I mean, that applies to the to the Browns, too, as, as you and I both both know. It does. And that's a that's a great segue. Very, very professional, Chase. Let's <laughs> let's, let's talk. Let's uh talk about a couple of the Browns topics. I mean, we're going back a little ways here, but Olivier Vernon, uh, the Browns restructured his contract. Um, what was your, what was your thoughts uh, before we even get into the numbers when you heard they were restructuring his contract? Well, I think it was kind of a natural climax to kind of the, the, the saga with him and the, all the talking points, you know, will he be traded? Will they 
move him to make room for Clowney? You know, will they do this and that? And I, I think it was a, a, a good thing for both sides. I think he, when healthy, is a very productive player. Um, I think he can be a really good player for the Browns. Um, mm-hmm. I I wasn't personally super excited about him getting that kind of money given his injury history and productivity uh, last year, but I think that this was a really shrewd move, and it kind of lends itself more and more to you know my thoughts that I already had about Andrew Barry, and that's that he was you know shrewd uh, in in a business sense, but he also uh, was willing to do, you know, what I think is right to field uh, a consistent roster, you know, of quality. Yeah, I mean, this is, he's really thinking ahead with this move. It it not only frees up some money for for this season if they if they have an opportunity to make another move, uh, because it, I mean, the whole thing with with Clowney. I think if they would have signed Clowney, I think they would have just cut Vernon. Honestly, you know, um, they could have cut him with with no money out of pocket, I think, up until the season started or something like that. And it would have saved them that that fifteen point five million. So um, so I think that was the plan. So now they 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 keep Vernon and he's let's see, um, he's guaranteed eleven million uh, with with signing bonus and, and the salary and a workout bonus. And then he has two million in incentives. So. They saved uh, even with the incentives. They've saved three and a half million, or uh, at, well, two and a half million if he gets the full incentives, um, up to four and a half million dollars. So um, you know, so it frees up some money, and and he's he's going to be he's going to be gone after this season. So that money's going to be freed up after after um, the twenty the twenty twenty season, assuming everything we talk about is assuming they play this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it, and, it, and it helps. I mean, Miles Garrett is going to sign a mega extension. I mean, we know that he's going to be making money with the likes of Aaron Donald and, you know, Clowney before his contract was, you know, kind of more up in the air. But he's going to be making money like a premium pass rusher because that's, you know, obviously what he is. Um, fans love Miles still, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I have long been a proponent to pay Miles Garrett whatever he wanted. <laughs> Uh, I think he, I think he's the kind of guy you can build uh, a defense around for six, seven years. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so, what's your, what's your vision? Kind of looking into the future, you know, next season. Assuming the twenty twenty season goes down, Vernon's gone. Uh, what do you think the Browns do at that other defensive end spot? Well, I mean, I think there's a couple options. I think what they will do is bring in someone cheap as a free agent, and then I think they'll probably look to the middle of the draft to kind of bolster that spot. They've gotten their they got their bookends taken care of, um, you know, obviously with Wills and Conklin. So I think the O line is less of a concern. So I think if you look ahead even to the next draft. I think they'll probably go with either a corner or some kind of premium pass rush type guy or a linebacker. Um, they're definitely going to go defense, I would think, heavy next draft. The offense is pretty taken care of, in my opinion. I, I do think after the season, either Odell or Jarvis is probably going to be you know, gone um, in whatever form that takes. Um, I think Baker has 
better chemistry with Jarvis. So I think that kind of lends itself to maybe Odell being on the move. But fact of the matter is, you know, they're not going to have the cap, you know, to, I don't think, furnish all, you know, this many premium wide receivers, you know, nor should they. I mean, I think that, um, I think that premium wide receivers are a luxury, especially for a young quarterback like Baker. But now that the O-line, I think it's, you know, a little bit more steady. I think that um, you could invest that money elsewhere, you know, linebackers, maybe another corner. Well, especially when you when you look at the kind of offense the Browns are looking at running, you know where you're where you're expecting to be run heavy, uh, tight end, you know passes to the tight end a lot. Uh, sure, you, you still need wide receivers, but you're not you're not playing an offense uh, where you're trying to go down the field constantly. Yeah. And, and, and that's not to say that, you know, Stefanski hasn't dealt with more than one premium wide receiver before. I mean, obviously, well, sure. Dig, yeah. Diggs and Thielen, I mean, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better wide receiver duo. But I just I just don't know that they're going to have, you know, the money to furnish Odell and Jarvis, you know, when you have to bolster, I mean, especially the linebackers. Like, I, I, I personally don't like the Browns linebackers as they are now. I think that they're gonna. I think that that if there's if there's a weak point on the roster on paper, I think that that's probably it. We want to thank our sponsor, T-shirthooligan.com. This month's T-shirt giveaway. In order to be eligible, you need to follow at B, at Hooligan T-shirt, and at the Browns Blitz. Follow those three accounts and shoot a DM to at B, and we will draw a winner near the end of uh, July for the t-shirt so uh, you can be like Jeremy Bonham and win a free t-shirt if you can't do that if you're listening on the grueling truth just shoot me an email and we'll enter you that way so send that to rod.bloom at gmail.com back to the action yeah yeah they're they're missing a, a piece or two uh, really just it's the the youth of the position the guys they have may end up being good players potentially but but it's it's youth and potential at this point yeah is what yeah. It is. so you, you really it, it's hard to go into the season feeling strong strongly about about the linebackers uh, yeah know. and i mean and you know the nfl's changed and you know this i mean obviously you've been watching football for a a while so you know but like linebackers have changed especially middle linebackers it's not really necessarily their job anymore to sit you know two yards off the line and hit the running back 25 times a game or anything like that like you really do need a modern type linebacker someone that can move with tight ends and someone that can cover and i i I look up and down the roster and i i don't see that like i think mac wilson is uber athletic but i haven't seen a ton of skill from him as far as covering guys. I mean, I think he's definitely played up and beyond his expected role as a fifth round pick, but I think that early in next draft, I think you'll definitely see the Browns look for an athletic type linebacker to come in and fill that hole. Yeah. I, 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 that, I think my money would be on that right now, you know, on, on that or, yeah, I, I don't know if they would go first round defensive end, because I think um, 
it, it's kind of the same thing as what you're saying with the wide receivers and that. I, I don't know that you want to sink all this money and all this capital into, you know, one area. You kind yeah. of need to spread some of it around a little bit. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it also depends on the draft class you're looking at. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll depend on who falls and, you know, anything can happen in the draft. But I, I would say that their money will probably go towards bolstering the linebacker unit and then probably maybe another premium, you know, corner type guy in the second and third round. Because I think that as much as I like Denzel and Greedy, I mean, there have obviously been health issues there between the two of them. Um, you can never have enough. Uh, you never have enough good corners. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. If you're if you're if you're drafting and there's a good corner sitting there, you almost feel like you have to take them. <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. So yeah, we'll see what happens. It, for me, it kind of it kind of depends how the season plays out because I feel like the like the linebackers are are going to be a weakness, and then we're going to see. Um, you know, we're going to see Vernon leave and, and who knows what also happens. So, so we're going to feel like the defense needs to be addressed primarily in the draft. But yeah, who knows? Um, I mean, I would even think that there could be some concerns with the back end of the defense, you know, in terms of the, the corners and the safeties, because I like Delpit. I like Greedy. I like Denzel. But should one of them go down? I mean, you know, what are you what are you looking at as far as depth? I mean, that was an issue at several points last year, you know, when Denzel tweaked his hamstring or I think Greedy hurt his elbow at one point, you know, and then we were out there and it's like, you know, who who are we looking at? And I think they, they I have think, a little depth, but not 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 a ton. I don't think there's really a guy that you could look at, you know, if one of your one or two corners got hurt and you would say, I trust that guy to not get blown up every you know every other play well yeah i mean we'll we'll see we'll see uh the just the the youth yeah from really beyond the defensive line yeah no i i agree for sure it's and I, you know, I frankly i could even see sheldon richardson you know maybe not being here past this year or next um i'd have to look at his contract i mean he signed didn't he sign for four years or was it three? <clears throat> I I want to say it was three, but I I would definitely have to double check. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I think I think he'll play his contract out. But but yeah, it depends how it was structured and everything. You're right. So, um, you just never know because yeah, the Browns signed some other uh, with with uh, in the draft and, and and free agency they they added a couple other defensive tackles. So you know yeah, it um it seems like <clears throat> Sheldon Richardson actually does have potential out after this year um he doesn't re- there's only you know about one and a half million in dead cap if they were to cut huh. ties after this year so interesting see what happens there yeah well i trust andrew barry he's done he's done a nice job of you know so uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles things from season to season and I'm saying that because I, I don't know. I just I have a feeling he's going to be around for a little while. I like I, him. I mean, I I think he's super super bright. I think he's personable. I think he is everything that I like in a GM. And and I I kind of like to lean younger in terms of coaches and GMs. Um, you know, and that applies as, as far as my college football fandom too. Like I love Ryan Day. I'm an Ohio State fan. 
Um, Josh Heupel, who coaches UCF, uh, was the quarterback for Oklahoma uh, years ago, and he's not really, you know, two up there either. And I, I think those are both, they're both excellent young minds. I, I think that leaning younger, especially for coaches, but also even GM, like I, th- I think it's a positive for your organization. Well, it is if you keep them around for a little while and let them yeah, grow. For sure. So let, let's hope that that's the, you know, the, the main point of this whole thing, because yep. um, I've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but I'm not that, you know, I, I think the Browns should do, should do well this season <laughs> and, and, and yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, and win some games, but Geez, if you know if they go seven to nine or eight and eight, and I hear people that want to fire Stefanski, I'm gonna I'm gonna go nuts. I think letting your your coach help hire your GM is a positive. Like I think it worked really well for San Francisco, and we see how that worked out. Um, I think I mean I, obviously I think Kyle Shanahan's a genius. I really like Kyle Shanahan as a coach, yeah. um, but. Yeah. Everything I've heard from Stefanski, everything I've seen from last year's Vikings offense, everything I've heard from Andrew Barry, it all sounds really good. Um, and that's not to say that things haven't, sound, you know, quote unquote, sounded good before, but it all sounds really put together and impressive. And, you know, I don't want to use the word academic, but it almost does sound more academic when they talk. Like it, it is very, very pleasant. And I think that. They're not vague when they talk, which is something I also. It's very well thought out. They don't. Yeah, I think. Yeah, everything they say. mm -hmm, Everything is set out. Stefanski and Barry have a plan. You know, they say this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. You know, this is our philosophy, and that makes me feel better as a fan, because you know the last one or two regimes has really been you know vague, and there was everything that you know went on with the regime before um, Kitchens, and that seemed almost too analytical, uh, a lot of people would say. But this has been, I think, very pleasant um, in terms of of kind of a fresh start and in a direction that I personally appreciate. Well, there, there's a difference between thinking stuff out, you know, thinking about stuff and having a plan and overthinking and yeah. just you know, and yeah. and trying to be smarter than everybody else, and saying, "Oh, we can't do it that way." That's how somebody else does it. You know, just just come up with a plan and and do it a smart way. And I think that's what Andrew Barry and these guys are doing. And that that's all you need to do. I mean, I just I, I think it's so perfect. Like I, I look at the way that they used personnel uh, in Minnesota last year, mm-hmm. and it just. You almost couldn't, you know, you almost couldn't write it better. You know, a quarterback who likes play action, you know, a running back who thrives off of wide zone schemes, you know, two tackles who are athletic and who can move, wide receivers who can really get off the line and, you know, create some separation. Like, I, I think that you couldn't, ta- you couldn't have an offense tailored personnel-wise better to Stefanski. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for that reason. Yeah. So, uh, what uh, what formations what formation do you expect to see most of the time? Well, the, the highest mean, percentage of plays. Which offensive players do you expect to see on the field? 
I mean, I I just I expect a lot of two tight ends and, and a fullback. You know, as, as weird as that sounds, in you know the year twenty twenty, I expect a lot of two tight ends and a and a fullback. And and I was I was a little bit more hopeful before the Ninjoku news come out came out uh, <laughs> in terms of what we were gonna have. But I like Harrison Bryant. I've seen Harrison Bryant play live. I like Carlson. You know. I think that there are some options. Uh, I think it harms their depth a little bit with Ninjoku, obviously, uh, announcing that he wants to be moved. But I like Austin Hooper. Like, I don't think that there's, you know, outside of Travis Kelsey and uh, Zach Ertz, like, I don't think that there's really... There might be three tight ends that you could unequivocally say, you know, might be better than Austin Hooper in the NFL. Yeah, George Kittle. Yeah, that's those, probably the three. Those three guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd agree with you. So I'm glad Austin Hooper's in town. The The thing with David Njoku is the Browns are kind of making it sound like they don't really care. I think they might just keep him in Njoku. Yeah, so, and I mean, I, I don't know. If I'm him, uh, do we think that it's a matter of touches, you know, his next con. I mean, we know everyone's always trying to get to the second contract. Do we think it's going to be, I, I mean, I, I'm just not sure because when I look at, you know, the, the usage, the second tight end in Minnesota last year had, I think, pretty okay numbers. Like, I know Ninjoku's career is um, kind of up and down. Like, I know his, his rookie year especially was was probably the high point thus far for him. But I I mean I I, I would That's think it. I would think if I were David I would look at who got brought in and say, oh well the, well this is gonna be good for my career. Even if you even if you didn't see yourself in Cleveland beyond your rookie deal, you know, an offense that utilizes tight ends this much, you know, even if you're not going out and catching seven passes a game, I would think that I would look and say, well, you know, I'm going to be on the field, you know, X number of snaps percentage-wise, and I can show my skills in other ways. Right, and the Browns picked up his fifth-year option, so he's set to make um, $1.7 million this year, around $6 million in 21. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out, you know, I think the Browns wanted him around this season and next season. It's kind of the thought as Harrison Bryant, um, you know, develops. If you look at the other tight ends on the on the roster, if the if the Browns are going to trade in Joku and have Harrison Bryant as the uh, as, as the number two, then you got um, Carlson and Farrell Brown, and um, um, I've heard people talk about uh, Nate Nate Whiting. Yeah, that some people like him. Um, Interesting thing about him, I didn't know the Browns, and, and probably none of this is guaranteed, but the Browns signed him to a uh, three-year contract. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they liked him, and the thing with Harrison Bryant is when I kind of envisioned him in this offense, he's not a big guy. Like, he's a tight end, but he's not, you know, he went to FAU, and he was the center of their offense, but he wasn't, he's not by any means like a massive tight end. Like, I don't think he's going to be great blocking you know I, I kind of almost envisioned him as a hybrid 
flex fullback kind of guy. Like maybe you stick him back there and then you can, you know, shift him out to mm-hmm. run a route or maybe you have him chip block for a second and then you push him out into the flat and have him be utilized that way. Like he did a lot of that at FAU. So I, I almost think if you move David, you have to maybe move Carlson up to the second tight end spot for at least for blocking assignments. Well, a lot of people like Farrell Brown too. Um, yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know. Um, I think it'd be some kind of mixture. It'd be interesting to see what the Browns would do, who they, you know, who, who they would keep. Um, I, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see who, who they keep regardless. I think someone, I mean, someone might come open after camp cuts that they, that they like or something like that. But I think is in terms of physical tools, I mean, obviously you're not going to replace David Njoku and he hasn't necessarily been, you know, all pro blocking or anything, but even just as a as a decoy on two tight end sets, like I think that's a loss that they could definitely feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, either way, he's. I don't think he's going to be here. You know, past the twenty one season, more Agreed. than likely. And that's probably when you know um, Harrison's Harrison Bryant's going going to you know um, really you know hopefully find his you know um, find his role. I would say at that point. And then you've got your, you know, your two main guys, um, and you know, and then your third guy is just a, a blocking tight end, I would say. So and I and I like and I like Harrison Bryant a lot. I was super ecstatic when they took him just because I knew that that was going to be a need coming up potentially, and I and I have seen him play personally, and I I kind of knew what he was going to bring to the table. Um, he's got super soft hands. Um, in terms of you know being a wide receiver, the guy catches everything thrown at him. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's excellent. I, I love Harrison Bryant. I just you know tight end though is, is is such a such a difficult position in the NFL to master. And you know I think it probably a lot of people would say one of the three hardest positions to master. I would say is a mod being a modern tight end just because you have to know the route tree, you know, know all the things a wide receiver has to do, but then you also have to always be refining your blocking, you know, because you're kind of a two-way player in that way. Right, and then they, they ask these guys to line up as a fullback sometimes too. Yep, yep. And so I, I I was happy that, you know, to have a year or two with Njoku there just for him to kind of uh, acclimate. But if they move him after this year and Brian has to step in, I mean, I hope he can. Yeah. But I know that it's difficult, so, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. I When I've talked about this a little bit on, on Twitter and just talked to people, there's people kind of standing up for all of these tight ends. The Browns have six tight ends on their on the roster, and people like all six of these guys. <laughs> well, I guess, that's good. I guess that's good then, right? I, I guess. I mean, not that they're all superstars, but that they all have their good points. I mean, you, you can say good things about Carlson and, um, you know, people, I've had a couple people talk about Farrell Brown. I don't think Farrell Brown really <laughs> impressed anybody with his, with his ability to catch the football last, last season. Uh, I but he, actually, I, I really liked Carlson last season. Like I thought he went pretty underutilized as far as what I saw from him when he was on the field contributing. Yeah, he made some nice plays. He's obviously obviously has some some ability. We know he's a smart guy, so that always yeah. helps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, it, it's um, those guys are both those those guys are both on one year deals right now. Uh, yeah. Carlson and 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 Brown. Um, 
So, uh, so Bryant and uh, um, and Whiting, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll I see think thing, I think things just got so you know messed up last year with with kitchens and everything else that went on, and there was so much excitement around what we saw at the end of you know the end of the year, you know the season pre the season previously, you know, and they just they got away from everything that made the offense good. <laughs> You know, before that, I mean, as, as you're well aware, they, they kind of got away from everything that, you know, made Baker stand out or, you know, it helped the offense excel. And, I you know, I I don't think it was necessarily a great um, showcase of everything that the tight ends could be. Like, I think they put yeah. Farrow Brown in kind of some precarious spots. And Baker wasn't exactly, you know, at his best, you know, and maybe that wasn't yeah. that wasn't all on Baker. But you know, some of it is on him. So I, I I don't know if we really had a good chance to see everything that those guys could be. So I, I'm excited yeah. just to kind of see what they can do in an offense that I think is built for tight ends a little bit more. Yeah, you make a great point. It's it's hard to grade most people or most players based off last season. Agreed. It really is. And we know that uh, you know other than Nick Chubb. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what are our known quantities at this point? It's like yeah. it's like Joel like, Batonia, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and like Jarvis. Like that's like all the known quantities at this point. Yeah, we know that we know the wide receivers. I mean, those guys both did great in you know in, in a season that wasn't great. So imagine yep. what those guys can do, you know, in you know in a season where Baker has a good line, uh, you know, a better line and, and a better a better game plan for, you know, for lack of a better, better term. Yes. Yes. Agreed. So the, there's been a lot of talk about kind of coming out today about the 2020 NFL season, kind of what's going to happen and, and uh, things that still need to be worked out. It seems like a lot of this is a mess chase. It really does. I mean, I, things are just so unpredictable at the moment. Like, I feel like every few days we're getting some other piece of news. Like, I remember maybe about a month ago, it felt like every day we were getting some new symptom that they were tying back to COVID. Like, I remember the day that they told us that, yeah, if you lose your sense of smell and taste, all of a sudden, like, probably go get tested. And I just, that was so crazy to me. Yeah. That, like, you know, that that would happen. And I saw um, some people on Twitter even talking about, they've recovered and their sense of taste still isn't back. So that's like really scary to me, you know? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's everything's so, everything's so spooky right now, especially, especially in Florida. I mean, as you know, like things are getting like really bad, uh, in a lot of parts of the South, Texas, South Carolina, um, Georgia, you're just seeing a lot of cases pop up all of a sudden. And I think it does. I mean, it, I think it does. Like, we've seen everything the NCAA is doing. Like, I think it really does jeopardize the season. And I think maybe you have a little bit more control in the NFL to the point where you can kind of put every team on the same regimen, you know, and say this is what we're going to do. But, like, I personally think that we're not even going to have college football this season. That's what it's uh, – that's kind of the direction things seem to be going, that college football – and probably high school, that a lot of this stuff's going to get canceled. Well, I mean, the, I mean, when you're when you're talking about professionals, 
I mean, obviously you can say, well, you know, you're going to have to be paid. Do you want to do this? And they can say yes or no. But when you're talking about college kids, like you really can't. Like I know that the money is really important for the universities and the other athletic programs, but you can't put these kids at risk, you know. And especially like I think when you're talking about the NCAA, I think if, if you get to a point where, you know, a school doesn't have kids on campus, but then they say, oh, but we're going to have the football players on campus. I think you open a whole other can of worms you know, in terms of your amateurism model, because you're at that point admitting, you know, these aren't regular students. And that's kind of what the whole NCAA is based on, is that they're quote unquote student athletes, even though we kind of know that that has been stretched over the years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, JC, JC Treader says, um, this was a, a quote from him. I think this is from earlier today or actually maybe a couple days ago. He says, wear a mask and socially distance if you want to see football and all sports come back. More or less telling people in the country to do their part because the NFL doesn't exist inside a bubble. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they, a lot of the players don't feel don't feel safe right now. Um, you know, I think... Uh, the thing, the thing that kind of caught me today, and you know, I'm switching over to baseball here. But Buster Posey said he's sitting out. He's sitting out the season. Um, I think he and his wife either just had twins or adopted twins, and he said it was an e- easy decision for him. He goes, I, "I'm, I'm not playing this year." Well, I mean, Buster's made his money. I mean, I think yeah, he, really he, doesn't. he doesn't need the money. No, I mean, so I, I mean, I think that at that point, you, you know, you almost look at yourself in the mirror and you would, you know, am I going to endanger my new baby? <laughs> You know, potentially right. for right. you know to go play baseball. I, I, it it's so it's so precarious to me because sports are super important for American society and Americana. But you know, at the end of the day, when you're talking about the toll, you know, the human life. Like I think we're up to what 130 thousand deaths nationwide now that are yeah. tied to COVID. So I mean, I get it. I absolutely get it. If you're an athlete and you say to yourself, well, I have children or I have a wife or, you know, maybe my mother lives with us or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my my uh, my father-in-law is a, a cancer survivor with a compromised immune system. So, you know, we try to be we try our best to be careful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, and there's a lot of people in that situation. So. So, yeah, you're trying you're trying to. To be safe for those people, even if you think you would be okay if you got this thing. Yeah, and 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 I and I you know I tell people and and I know you probably don't know this about me, Rod, but I actually am a am a cancer survivor. Uh, oh, so yeah, so Jamie and I, you know, we've had to exercise an abundance of caution. I haven't seen my family in you know close to four months because my mom works in a hospital and my grandparents are elderly. You know what I mean? Like I've had to kind of. Yeah personally isolate myself and make accommodations with my job and you know even even before uh my my graduate school adopted a hybrid model like I was going to have to make accommodations because I I can't go out right now you know what I mean like I I do live uh with a compromised immune system and there are people um actually a friend of mine who I met in treatment um several years ago he he recently passed away from COVID uh, because right. he was living with a, he was also living with a compromised immune system, and he, he got it. And it, it, it really people really have to understand 
um, you know, the toll that it can take on your body if you're not a, a young, healthy individual. Like I know there are tons and tons and tons of people who are recovering with no problem, but that's just not mm -hmm. the reality for everybody. So it, it, it is really important to do your part and, and wear a mask and, you know, sports aside, like I, I really hope that, um, you know, we can kind of use this moment as a country to, to kind of come together and, you know, do our part for our neighbor. One last quick pause before we wrap the podcast up. Check out our sponsor, Skip on Stones, on both Etsy.com and Go Imagine. One shop at each location. Uh, the shop at Etsy.com now offers free shipping on orders over $35. Uh, both shops you can find handmade stone, shell, and sea glass jewelry, uh, pebble art, frame poetry, yoga bracelets, and there's now hair accessories and personalized sports plaques. Free shipping on qualifying orders through Etsy.com. Go Imagine donates their profits to charity. So take your pick. Um, two great places to uh, to check out. Now back to the action. I mean, that's, uh, that's what we should be doing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it's, it's uh, and, you know, and I don't, I don't do politics, Chase, um, but unfortunately it's turned into such a political issue versus just an issue of we need to do this for each other it's it, it's it's certainly disheartening for me especially obviously um yeah. to see people politicize public health yeah. like i think that's that's pretty beyond the pale but in like you said we won't do politics or we won't discuss it on on here you know in too much depth but i i do think that's it, it's a shame I, I should say it, it's definitely a shame yeah i agree and what what did jj watt say he said something like if 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 they're wearing masks in football he's not playing or something i he, think that he, was the he, 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 he said that you know we're there to play football like i'm not doing anything crazy like i'm gonna play football and then Someone else said, yeah, I, I saw a few days later, someone else said, I'm pretty sure J.J. Watt wouldn't be wearing a mask. And then J.J. Watt chimed in and said, I'm pretty sure you shouldn't speak for me. I wear a mask at all times, you know, just not when I'm playing football. Okay. Okay. So I, I must have misunderstood what he said. So, well, it, you know, I, I think the NFL has a long ways to go to uh, kind of figure this thing out. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm certainly pessimistic given everything I've seen with the NBA, even. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, you're talking about more guys, number one. You know, you're talking about more players. You're talking about, you know, what, 55 guys per roster. Yeah. yeah I mean, so I, I think it's going to be really hard outside of some UFC-style island to get a season with no stops and no problems because I think, you know, every time you play a game... You know, you're going to see, you know, the Vikings had three positives or the Giants had six positives. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just, it's, if there is a season, I think it's going to be kind of definitely not yeah. normal. Definitely not normal. Well, the, the statistics are what are what can get you. And, and I'm going from memory here, which is a terrible thing. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. But the stats on... The baseball teams right now the how many um there are what are there 30 30 major league baseball teams i believe so 
So there's 30 Major League Baseball teams. And so I, I saw the stats. I don't know. I don't even remember if it was on the news or on Twitter or where I saw it. But so, so many guys are, are positive right now. Okay. Um, yeah. There are guys who have tested positive on 28 of the teams. But it's still, they're still saying it's only like 1% or 2% of the players, which th- that math doesn't even work out for me. Well, I think right now they're they're operating on sixty man rosters, so I okay. think that it. I think well, that it. Yeah, so that, I think that, that could be then. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think that um, they could. Or closer um, to it, anyways. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even that. I mean, twenty eight teams. There's at least one guy. You know, what I mean, I, I mean, you just recently saw the news of the Buckeyes. I'm sure, like, they had you know however many cases come back, and they had to shut it down. And Clemson and LSU had some. Godly, you get, you get one guy, and that one guy's been around the other guys, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, LSU and Clemson had like those ungodly numbers, like they came back, like, oh, yeah, 30 of our players have it. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah I mean, for, for me, the issue is not that one person's going to get this during the season, it's that one person is going to test positive, and they will have been around everybody on their team. They will have played another team the week before, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and I mean, and, 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 that's, and like, that's the thing, and it, it's so hard yeah. outside of you know contract contact tracing, like which is what they do in you know some of the Asian countries in Europe. Um, but that's so hard to do, you know what I mean? Like, how, how do you are you going to quarantine everybody in in the NFL that's been in contact with with one person that that gets it because? I mean, you're you're going to be you're going to be shutting teams down entirely. Well, that's what the NFL. Well, that's what the NBA is doing. Is they're just taking everybody, putting them in quarantine for two weeks, testing them every few days, and then once everyone's cleared, they're going to stick them in. They're going to you know stick them in this more isolated bubble, and they're going to make them play for what a month. But I, th- you, you can't do that with the amount of guys I think that are in the NFL. Like I think the cost alone would almost There's be so prohibitive. Many guys. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's uh, I mean, there's guys in different situations. There's guys with, you know, new babies and their wives and everything else, you know? I mean, uh, yeah, I you're talking, I mean, by the time you put, uh, you know, coaches and stuff in, you're talking like 2,000 people in mm-hmm. the NFL probably. Yep, yep, coaches, you know, everyone you'll need to film the games. You'll need cameraman, audio technicians. Yeah, it's, it's 2,000 people easily because it's, it's over – it's over uh, 1,500 players. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I just think the cost alone of furnishing that, you know, in terms of hotels for two months and testing and employing, you know, a contractor to do all your blood work, like, the costs are almost prohibitive on their own to, you know, do all that. So I, I, I just, I struggle to see any kind of normalcy return to sports until we get some type of vaccine. It almost, yeah, kind of feels that way. So, you know, I would, I really want sports back. Oh, <laughs> but, Rod, but, you don't even, like, I'm, like, I was watching the basketball tournament, that, you know, that yearly tournament, and that mm-hmm. was really the first sports that I've gotten outside of European soccer and Korean baseball. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, this, this is nice. To just sit and drink a beer and watch basketball, like I like the worst Cavs team of my lifetime 
is probably the team right after LeBron left, and I would take 82 games of that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've been watching just, you know, just old football games, pretty much whatever's on TV. You know, old World Series games, old football games, um, old sports movies. Well, that was nice for, like, the first month and a half, you know, like, oh, like, we got all these classic games on all of a sudden. That was kind of nice, but now I'm just, like, kind of burnt out on it. Like, I just want new sports. You know, yeah, well, I, I mean, I can't blame you at all. Um, yeah, it's been rough. So I was talking on Twitter about how if, if the football season's not played, how can we simulate this best <laughs> to kind of make it fun for everybody? You know, I had somebody tweeted a, a picture of a, just a great electric football um, game. But it was a Browns electric football game, and they put a lot of extra work into it. And I'm telling you, I'm jealous because it's really nice. I think the best way to do it would be to get a comprehensive list of the Browns experience. So what we'll do is we'll compile 16 games, seven games that the Browns win, and nine games that they lose, and we'll just every week as a community, we'll we'll throw one of those on, and we'll just have, we'll just watch it together. We'll, we'll rewatch all the classic moments, just we'll old watch, games. Yeah, just old games. I I think that would be the best way to do it. Like as a community, just everyone decide this is what we're gonna watch, and then everyone just start it up around the same time. And we'll just live tweet it like it's a real game. You know, nobody came up with that, but that's pretty uh, that's pretty good. I'm thinking, uh, you know, I'm thinking like Madden and stuff like that, and, you know, and then putting the stats out and all this stuff. And, yeah, you could do you that know. too. I mean, there's, I mean, there's any, I mean, you could do it all, honestly. Like, there's any number of things uh, that you could do. Maybe we throw on, uh, like, I know people were, you know, getting really into uh, like old Cavs games. Like, uh, I, I, I recently rewatched the uh, the finals that they when they beat Golden State. Mm-hmm. And that was pleasant. I mean, that's. I mean, I like. I'm. I'm pretty young, but that's probably like the seminal sports moment in my life, as far as my fandom. So it was nice to kind of well, relive that. There's really nothing in my life that tops that. <laughs> <Either> chase. <laughs> I know that's what that's what my grandpa keeps telling me. He's like, he's yeah. like you and he's like you and me got to have the same moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for another one, but yeah, so far that's that's the one. <laughs> Probably that, and then the, um, the 2015 Sugar Bowl, Ohio State over Alabama. Those are probably my my two favorite yeah, yeah. experiences. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, yeah, some of the Ohio State ones, yeah, but um, just for just for Cleveland, yeah, it's the Cavs because we just haven't seen a Browns or uh, or an Indians championship, you know. I, was, I mean, I, 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 I do. I did recently um, rewatch the Indians and the Cubs series, and I think that that is just so fantastic. It, it's great. It has great rewatchability. Obviously, up until yeah. uh, extra innings of the last game, but uh, up I until so that point, they had that game. man, I thought they had that game. Oh, the, I you should have seen me when Rajai Davis hit the home run. <laughs> like I thought, wow, that's it. They're gonna do it. Yeah, and then the rain delay, and then the rain delay comes, obviously, and then you know, history from there. Yeah, yeah, that was rough, but um, you know that was that was uh, you know after the Cavs win, so 
Um, it kind of took a little bit of the sting out of it, but yeah, it did for sure. I mean, as Cleveland, if we, if we can get one in here, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get another one soon. But. Oh yeah. Hopefully. So, uh, Chase, your uh, your Twitter handles um, at Chase Kr one nine. Yes, that's me. All right, you guys give Chase a, a follow. You can follow me at Cleride B. Chase, any any words of wisdom you'd like to close with? Uh, everyone, do your part. Wear a mask. You know, be kind to others. I know there's a ton of videos coming out right now of people kind of yelling at grocery store employees and whatnot. Like just. I know everyone's kind of on edge, but, you know, please just do your part so we can hopefully enjoy at least some form of sports this fall. Uh, Stay safe, everyone, you know. Like I said, just wear a mask, do your part, keep your family safe, and, you know, go Browns, I guess. All right. I want to thank Chase for joining me tonight. This has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time.